So I want to, um, yeah, I want to read uh, this, this evening from, uh, from Isaiah. Yeah, Isaiah, Isaiah 45. Uh, uh, and I'm just going to be reading verses 18 to 35. So Isaiah 45, verses 18 to 35. So again, the, the reason why I chose this, um, this passage, actually, of course, is... Um, it's, I'm, I'm just preaching on Genesis 1, verse 1. Um, and, um, and while it's a brilliant passage of Scripture, um, it, it's quite short. And, and I thought, we, 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 we want more of God's Word. And, uh, and, and I just think that this, um, that this passage is just um, so wonderful. The, um, kind of when, we, when we get to it, the kind of the, 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 the kind of towards the end of verse 18, God didn't create the earth to be empty. He created it to be inhabited by us, it was never an accident that um, the creation um, that humans humans happened to, to come across it. It was formed to be inhabited, um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's absolutely wonderful. So Isaiah 45, from verse 18. For this is what the Lord says: He who created the heavens, He is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, He founded it. He did not create it to be empty but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. I have not spoken in secret from somewhere in a land of darkness. I have not said to Jacob's descendants, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Gather together and come and assemble you fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. Declare what it is to be. Present it. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a saviour. There is none but me. Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are deliverance and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame but all descendants of Israel will find deliverance in the Lord and will make their boast in him. So this evening, um, we're going to be, as I already said, talking about um, yeah, the, the um, kind of the, or beginning our, our, sermon, our sermon series um, in Genesis. And, and I'm going to be speaking on, um, on just Genesis 1 verse 1 and I've kind of broken the sermon up into into two halves if you like the first half is is going to be uh, sort of a bit of a, an intro to the series and then the the second half is going to be um, a kind of an intro to, to Genesis or oh, kind, of, kind of looking at Genesis 1 verse 1 really um, 
I was, I was choosing the hymns for, um, for this evening. I know, I know some people find it is a joy to choose the hymns. I, I don't want to um, kind of, uh, but I find it really difficult. There are so many, and, uh, and I, I'm not really particularly musical, and I, I get confused about which ones are which and, and, and all, that kind of, all that kind of things, which ones are the best ones to have at, at which time. And, uh, and one of the ones I did look up was uh, was the greatest day in history, right? So, so you know, we, we all know. I'm not going to sing it. Don't I wouldn't do that to anybody. Um, but the uh, yeah, you, you know, we we all know the, the the greatest day in history. Death is beaten. You have rescued me. Sing it out. Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave, life eternal. You have won the day. Shout it out. Jesus is alive. And, and we're always, you know, that, that's always a great song. Always kind of uh, always gets us going. Um, but I must admit, I was kind of thinking, oh, oh. I reckon that Genesis 1 verse 1 is a contender for the greatest day in history. Um, I think, oh, you know, this is a, um, you know, kind of this is where God created everything. God created the heavens um, and, and the earth. Um, and I think it's kind of, yeah, certainly, uh, certainly up there as a, as a contender for, um, for, that, for that greatest day. I think one of the things with, with us humans, um, I don't think this is just a feel safety problem, I think this is a general, um, a general hu- I know it's a general human uh, problem, is that we can get a bit muddled, I think, about, um, about the centre of the universe. Um, just like kind of ancient people in ancient times, including the ancient church, you know, we kind of thought that the earth... Um, that the sun revolved around the earth, that the, uh, that the, um, you know, that the earth was at the centre of everything and that you know, kind of all the planets and the solar system all um, moved around us. Um, and, and I think that, you know, certainly speaking for myself and I think certainly for, for many of us, um, we can kind of get skewed in our, um, in our thinking and think that you know, things revolve around us when in fact um, it, it doesn't. That's, that's, not the, uh, that's not the Christian worldview. And, uh, and I, was reading, uh, I was reading a book um, recently um, with, uh, with, with my youngest son, Chris, called The Story of Reality. Um, and it was, a, it was a super, super book, actually, Gregory Cockle. Um, and it, it just basically kind of takes you through the, um, the, the Christian worldview. And it, it starts with how the world began, um, how the world ends, and everything important in between, it's really, um, it's really, really great. You'll be pleased to know that everything fits together nice and neatly in the Christian, in the in the, in the Christian worldview. Uh, it's not a, um, it's not a spoiler, um, and it and it doesn't revolve around you and me, and it doesn't um, revolve to some extent around Jesus. It's about God's relationship with humankind, and Jesus is essential, critical to to that to that relationship. But it's about God and his relationship with, uh, with humanity. And it all begins with that kind of contender for the greatest day in history uh, when God created heaven and earth in the beginning. So I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a little, uh, a little um, a kind of warning here, a little, a little caveat. I'm just going to... This is a bit like um, Paul doing a warning and he's going to mention Bournemouth. Um, so this is just a, a, a short warning. I'm just going to do a, a short running analogy. Um, and uh, and just just for two ticks, just bear with me. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a runner or not. You all know what this is. Um, whether or not you've watched a marathon, taken part in a marathon, watched a bit of a, a bit of a marathon, you all know. You know it's kind of 26.2 miles, 42k. Um, and uh, and what you should remember when you're watching a marathon or taking part in a marathon, whatever it is, is that you're actually watching the last bit. Right? The marathon is the last bit. Um, so you kind of go, yeah, no, it seems like a long time. 
And uh, yeah, depending who's running it, it's like longer than others, obviously. But um, but it's still just the last bit because it's an accumulation of uh, yeah, kind of all the things that have gone on before it. Um, so when you're turning up to run, walk, shuffle, crawl, your your you know your your your, your marathon, it is just that's just the last bit. We 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 believe in a in a in a God as Christians. We believe in a God who is outside of time. He's always existed. He wasn't created. He simply always has been. And that's really hard for us to get our mortal minds around. Um, kind of unlike, um, unlike our earth, however old the earth is, um, it's just the last bit. Um, you know, our existence on the planet is a tiny bit of the, of the last bit. Now, please don't tune out here. Um, and if you're listening at home, don't, don't switch off here, because I've got to finish this point by saying, um, and this is a bit of a, a spoiler when we're talking about Genesis, the beginnings, because with the marathon and race day, you kind of go, okay, that's what I'm training for, that was the objective, that was the goal. But when God created the heavens and the earth, um, he knew everything that was going to happen, and that included the ending and our ending doesn't end when our race on earth is done. It's fantastic. Um, you know, anyone who has ever lived on this earth, ever, anyone who's had the privilege of um, being alive on this, on this earth is created in God's image and is part of an eternal plan, a forever plan. When our race day is over, when the last runner has crossed the line, when Jesus has returned, uh, park run, tail walker, if you like, um, that, you know, that, that is when the world um, will end um, and, um, and it's going to carry on into a new heavens and a new earth. Um, the Bible tells us that those eternities are going to be different for different people, don't get me wrong. And we're not going to go into those different eternities for, for different, uh, different people. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, but that's another contender, actually, for the greatest day in history. No, it's not history, is it? That's future. And I don't know how that would all rhyme in the song. But, the, um, but you know, the, um, again, that, that, end, that end time when Jesus comes back, that is going to be another great day in the, uh, yeah, in, in, in the planet, um, in, the, in the planet's history and planet's story. Anyway, I'm getting massively, massively ahead of myself here. This evening, we are just considering um, those few words at the beginning of Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it's, a, it's an introduction. It's an introduction um, to, um, to Genesis, of course, and, of course, it serves as an intro to our, um, to our series as well. And I think we're kind of... I, I know that I can be kind of apt to forget um, that this um, Christian worldview starts here um, with Genesis 1, verse 1. Um, I mean, it leads into this series, but actually it leads into every series that we ever, um, you know, that we ever hear. Um, you know, it's the foundational building block. God created everything in the beginning. That's the start. And, and this series, what it's going to do is give us a, a helicopter view of Genesis. This week is the only week we're going to look at one verse, otherwise it would take us years to get through to the, uh, yeah, to, to, to kind of to chapter 11. Um, so we're going to be flying high above the landscape of Genesis, looking at some really big ideas. So I can just move on to the, uh, the next slide. I'm not sure how clear that is, but um, 
This week we're talking, uh, we're talking beginnings, um, and then we're going to move on to, um, to, to creation next week. So um, Genesis 1 uh, verse 2 to 2 verse 3, um, Dan's going to be talking about creation, how God is the supreme creator of the world. God set humanity apart, gave them dominion over the world so that they might enjoy the blessing of life in God's presence, that kind of that enjoyment in God's presence. That was the, you know, that was the, the you know, the purpose of, of creation in the beginning. There, Paul's going to um, then take us on through, um, yeah, through, through through Genesis two um, about Eden. Um, kind of, you know, what does Eden tell us? Um, you know, about how we should how we should live today. Why it's important to us. Um, and, uh, and kind of how that God narrative crops up again, um, or how we kind of reference back to it. And in fact, it was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, when we were looking at the fruits of the Spirit, and, and Paul kind of took us back into the God, and when we talked about peace, you know, the, um, you know we, kind of, we, we kind of went, went circled back into the, uh, into the garden there. And, and again, we can, uh, we, can, we can think about that. So Paul will take us through that, um, Eden. Um, Keith is going to um, talk to us about exile, um, and so Genesis 3. So, you know, having heard about the, the, the super good garden, we're going to talk about how humans, um, I was going to say became excluded from it, I, that, that really is just kind of weasel words for how humans excluded themselves from it. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, sin has, uh, sin has consequences, um, but that never stopped God from loving us, um, thankfully. Um, but there was this wedge that was driven between um, God and humanity and man and woman. And, um, and so again, um, Keith's going to take us through that. Um, Genesis, uh, Genesis 4, uh, wandering. Um, Jonathan's going to be uh, wandering through, uh, through Genesis, uh, Genesis 4, um, talking about how humanity fares um, without the same relationship with God moving from, uh, from the blessing that Adam has to the, uh, to the curse when, we were, uh, when humanity was moved out of, out of Eden. So, uh, yeah, from the blessing of God to, to, death in, uh, yeah, for, to, to death in exile under the curse of God. Uh, and then it's, uh, then it's back to me, uh, Genesis 5, um, through, to, through to 6, and I'm going to be talking striving. And uh, what we're going to be looking at there is God's relationship with humanity and how he um, how he perseveres, um, we're going to see some good guys. We're going to see Enoch, um, but by and large, there's this escalation of evil and uh, and judgment. Uh, judgment is, is is promised, foretold um, across the whole earth, um, and. And Keith's going to kind of kind of talk about that that immediate judgment, if you like that the the, the judgment in Genesis six, um, the flood. So the uh, the account of the flood, what that what that means for humanity, and uh, and how we live as a result of that um, that great and dreadful judgment. And then uh, Dan's going to uh, talk to us about covenant. So promise the promise that uh, God's God's made to us. That's Genesis eight. And uh, so, kind of after after the flood um, has happened, we're going to you know see um, God's covenant with Noah, um, how Noah finds favour with God, and uh, and God's agenda to restore uh, blessing to the world. 
Um, Genesis 10, um, Jonathan again is going uh, to take us through, um, through Babel um, and uh, basically look at how um, you know, kind of humanity um, does what humanity um, does worst, does best, just does, um, is trying to make themselves their own God. Um, God of their own lives, God of, uh, of, of everything that's uh, around them. They want to do everything without God's involvement. It's not a good look. And God thwarts their plans. He knocks down uh, humanity um, a, a peg or two, another, uh, another judgment there. Um, and then Keith is going to kind of round off the, the series um, with, with blessing be talking um, about how um, God makes blessings, uh, makes promises to, uh, to the offspring of Shem um, and will give the offspring of Abraham a great name, Abraham, and then Abraham a, a great name, and through that offspring will bless the world. So that's the kind of the what we're going to look at over the course of the next uh, yeah sort of eleven weeks or so um, you know as we as we go through um, as we go through Genesis. As I say it's going to be high um, it's going to be high level um, looking at the landscape. Um, and now you, you kind of know what to expect from the series and kind of got that um, that overview I suppose back in our mind. I just want to spend the the rest of our time this evening. Um, just talking to uh, Genesis 1, verse 1, that contender for the greatest day in history. And of course, as we, uh, as we get into this, you know, the thing we, we need to remember is that, um, you know, that the Bible um, is the Word of God. And uh, it's written for us, as we've, you know, as we've already, already said. Um, but it wasn't written to us by the, uh, by the original author. It was written by a person in a particular cultural context um, and written for a partic- people in a particular cultural context. And in this instance, it was written for the ancient Israelites. Now, these, these words were, uh, were written down um, after years of being shared um, as oral tradition through um, stories, accounts, through songs even. Um, and we know that for us to access kind of what God's telling us in a, in a cultural context, we need to kind of, um, kind, of, kind of go through the author, we need to um, translate the culture to a certain degree, um, and of course interpret the language for, for, our, um, for our lives. Um, N.T. Wright probably sums up kind of uh, pretty well, I think, in, um, in Simply Christian, saying uh, the Bible has been misinterpreted, misquoted, uh, has been misinterpreted, misquoted, because Christians have forgotten that the Bible isn't there simply to be an accurate reference point for people who want to be sure they've got things right. It's there to equip us, to equip God's people to carry forward his purpose of a new covenant and new creation, and we're going to get more on that as a series uh, develops. So the, the authorship of the Pentateuch, which Genesis is the, is the first book, um, it's traditionally attributed to, um, to Moses, although it's argued by, um, by experts today um, that the, uh, the books of the Pentateuch are the, the works of uh, several hands, several authors from several um, different, or several traditions, um, and the general thinking about when, um, when, when the book was written, when Genesis was written, is, is after the exile. So we're talking about um, kind of 1,400 years before Jesus um, visited us on this planet, or kind of 3,400 3, years ago from, from today. So, you know, this word that we're, we're looking at has really stood the test of time, because we have got such a wonderful 
unchanging God. And the, the message is still relevant to us um, here in the suburbs of London uh, as it was to, to ancient um, Israelites. Um, so that, that said, um, the, uh, you know, the book of, of Genesis was probably still um, kind of being um, adjusted um, kind of up until the point of uh, Solomon where it reached its final form. So that, we're talking there um, kind of 970 to 930 BC. But we need to, as I say, we, we need to think about um, you know, we need to think about the, the culture, you know, that the author lived in. And we, we do this kind of, um, as a matter of course, I think, when we look at um, kind of letters to um, kind of the, you know, the epistles in the New Testament, the letters to the New Testament church, we think about what was going on in the New Testament church at the time. Oh, there's persecution going on. This is what was happening. This was what was going on in the world around. And we, we need to do that um, when, we're, when, we do it, when we're kind of opening up the, the book of Genesis as well. So, um, you, know, what was, you know, what was it that they intended from the text? What was it that, that Moses intended from the text? I think one thing that we know... Actually, just whiz us on a, on a slide. Um, nice one, thank you. So one of, the, uh, one of the things that we know about the, kind of the culture at that time was that there was much less separation between um, a kind of different subjects, if you like, um, between the natural and the supernatural, I suppose. That's what I'm, I'm getting at. Um, like we, we kind of in today's thinking, we silo things quite quite a lot. We have different buckets for different things. We have a, you know, a bucket for science, a bucket for maths, bucket bucket for history, bucket for law. Um, whereas, kind of in those ancient times, we can certainly kind of gather from what we read that that things were kind of all encompassed. You know, there was you know there was a natural life, but there was a supernatural um, world that was that was happening um, at the at the same time. There's much less um, separation. In thinking, um, you know, and when uh, when Moses was was writing this, of course, Moses was writing for the Israelites who had one God. Um, you know, we've just got um, you know Yahweh, the the one God, uh, Elohim, as uh, as it's kind of written in Genesis one, um, and. Um, and there was just there's just one God, but of course the nations around, um, you know, they had many gods or gods of different different things um, as as well. And so we've got this kind of, um, yeah, kind of natural and supernatural. That was the mindset of everyone. Nobody had a concept of um, of atheism. There was no, you know, there, there wasn't a concept of um, of there being no god, blind chance, watch, blind watchmakers, all that kind of thing. That that wasn't a, uh, you know, that wasn't a thing in this ancient context. Everything was was related, and we know that we have this a kind of propensity, if you like, to separate things into different buckets, to kind of compartmentalise our Sunday God um, from our, our Monday living, um, because of the number of sermons we've heard on that subject. I mean, we, you know, we, we, know, we, we, we have that uh, a lot, and it's because memory leaks, and because we, uh, you know, we kind of finish our Sundays full of uh, the spirit, full of the joy of mixing with other Christians, and then uh, by the time we get to uh, kind of Friday afternoon, um, it's hard work again. Um, but again, it's because of our, kind of say, our propensity to compartmentalise things, our natural and supernatural um, kind of divide. Now, Genesis, Genesis 1, um, or, or Genesis itself, is all about um, origins. And this opening verse, um, you know, the in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, um, is just kind of remarkable, actually. So, um, again, I, I mentioned we have this, uh, you know, the Thursday, Thursday night prayer, uh, Thursday night um, preacher group, and... Um, 
And uh, when I uh, rocked up with my uh, bent and warped bit of iron that I was trying to sharpen for, um, you know, for, for this evening, it was largely because I'd got a little bit sidetracked looking around uh, uh, other um, kind of creation accounts, if you like. And there's like kind of all oh, these kind of ancient Babylonian, like Enumerilish kind of things where there's all these battles and wars and then you've got the Greeks and then you've got these titans eating other gods' babies and uh, all, these, all these kind of, all these things that are, are kind of going, going on. And, uh, and the thing that's remarkable about Genesis is it's just, God is just so in charge. It just brings order out of chaos. We just take it for granted that, uh, yeah, well, yeah God, God spoke and then these things happened. And that's because of our, you know, our upbringing and our tradition and, and all that kind of thing. But actually in the, in the, ancient, um, in the ancient time, that wasn't, uh, you know, that wasn't what people were, were thinking about. That wasn't what the, uh, what the traditions were, um, were, were looking at it. So uh, yeah, say so they, they were they were wild, um, yeah, these wild pictures where where God is just so ordered and in charge. We have this in charge God. Um, it says Genesis one verse one. In the beginning, He created the heavens and the earth. And of course, the heavens are the uh, uh, you know are the, are the sky. That would be what the uh, you know what what the um, you know what the nations would have been thinking of. I want to say the sky. They're kind of almost the the. The bit in between the stars, if you like, the uh, you know the heavens where God lives, that you know that that um, you know that that bit there, and uh, and the Earth. Um, we probably in our minds default to um, a picture of the blue planet. Probably you know when you say you know you know the the Earth, we we kind of think of that you know a kind of a picture taken of the globe from space. But of course the Earth, um, like that picture, wouldn't mean anything to a to an ancient Israelite. They that wouldn't be recognisable as our as our blue planet. Um, you know when they were thinking about the Earth, they were thinking. Of about the you know the earth that, that we that we walk on that us uh, us us mortals with skin on um, walk on, and and Genesis one verse one is that introduction to the beginning. So in those first timeless moments, God already had planned out the end. There is nothing that surprised him in the creation of the the heavens and the earth. It didn't surprise God that the earth travels around the sun. Um, that wasn't news to him. It wasn't. Um, it was. It wasn't a surprise to God that people in His image turned up on 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 the planet. I mean, you know, they, they they didn't turn up. You know, He He created them. God God created quantum mechanics, quarks, DNA, the human genome, all those things. You know, they're all part of God's uh, wonderful um, wonderful plan. He didn't. He wasn't surprised by the rules that that govern life. It was. Nothing was accidental. It was all an act of God's will. And this is so important to get our heads around. The fact it was an act of God's will. Because that thing that, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, you know, at some point there was a time when there was no time and there was no matter. And then God created everything. And then that follows that we're here because God wanted us to be here, and that's a tremendous thing. That is a really tremendous thing that, that God wanted us to be here. It's not some fluke. It's not some, uh, not some chance. Um, you know, no one who has ever kind of come into this world or ever will come into this world has done so um, by an accident outside of God's will. And I've mentioned this, um, this idea of beginning like loads already, um, but it is an interesting kind of philosophical complex uh, context, I think, you know, just because 
Um, it's such a time-bound word, isn't it, beginning? Um, yet it's used in a, a time um, when there was no time. Right? You know, kind of God doesn't have a beginning. It's the beginning of the heavens and the earth. It's not the beginning of God. God doesn't have a beginning. It kind of blows our mind, really. Now, the, uh, the, the word, though, the word for, um, for beginning, the Hebrew word that's used for beginning here, um, is, is used, uh, you know, it's used a kind of, it's kind of just under 50 times in the, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. It's always used um, to refer to divine creation. Um, you know, the, we don't have, um, you know, there aren't humans, don't create art um, in, the, in the Old Testament in, in that way using this verb. It's always about divine creation. It's always about um, God kind of, you know, created the earth, God created the heavens, the wind, um, other things. It's also used, um, so David, um, when David's writing the Psalms, um, it's also that, um, you know, creating me a pure new heart. Again, it's that same, same, same word, divine creation. David doesn't create in himself a pure new heart. That's for, that's for God, God to do. But what do we do with that information? What do we do with that? What do we, you know, where do we go with that? What, what, does, that, what does that mean for us on a, on a kind of on a day-to-day basis? And I think that's something that's, uh, that I also really kind of struggled with. Oh, God, this is such a massive idea. What do we do with it? And I think we swing right back round to the psalm I read right at the beginning. And, uh, and we worship God. We, uh, we go right back round to Psalm 33 and, uh, and say with the psalmist, uh, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters in the sea of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. And that's, you know, that's, that's the worshipfulness that we need to have um, in our daily life. And you know, when, uh, when, when God did this, he wasn't alone. And again, this is something else that's just kind of absolutely um, like just boggles the mind. I've mentioned already that, um, that you, know, the, um, you know, kind of in the beginning, God created. Well, the God there was Elohim, and that's a plural God. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't on his own, and and of course, it's, you know, it's, it's one of the uh, one of the very many um, kind of reasons that we know that there's a Trinity, where there's a kind of one God, three persons. He already, um, you know, he already had um, love. He already had um, a kind of relationship. He didn't need to create humans. Um, didn't create humans for that. So, when when God created in the very beginning, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, were already there. Jesus has always been present. The salvation plan was always present. But in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And of course, there's that, that recap um, you know, about Jesus being with God in the beginning at, at the start of John. Uh, in the book of John, in the New Testament, um, we've got that um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. So Jesus was there right at the beginning, and everything that was made was made uh, with Jesus present through Jesus. So in the beginning, not God's beginning, the world's beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And... Um, it says, as I said, in that, in that bit in Isaiah, um, Isaiah 45, um, that he created 
created the earth for this. He who created the heavens, he is God. He fashioned and made the earth, he founded it, and he did not create it to be empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I think sometimes people get a bit confused, or can get confused, or a kind of, a, kind of opponents of Christianity can sometimes say, well, God sounds like a bit of a megalomaniac. Like, created God, for, uh, God created people for praise, and he needed people to, to praise him. That's not, not the case at all. God had perfect relationship, glorification from angelic beings, from the perfect, um, perfect relationship with the, uh, yeah, with the, with the Godhead, with the, uh, with the three-in-one um, three Godness. Um, Tim Keller uh, says in his book, um, The Reason for God, and handily quoted by uh, Paul in his notebook flip um, earlier, uh, earlier in the week, um, that God did not create us to get the cosmic, infinite joy of mutual love and glorification but to share it, God does want us to glorify him. Not because, he, not because he wants our praise, but because he wants our joy, in fact. And that's what you want for people that you love, is their joy. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to have our joy in him. And unless we centre our lives on him, we can't actually experience that joy. Um, George Marsden uh, summarised what um, Jonathan Edwards had to, had to say about this. And, um, yeah, so I'm just going to read it because there's no way I could ever um, kind of quote it quite this well. Um, but like, like this, so the ultimate reason uh, that God creates is not to remedy some lack in God, but to extend that perfect internal communication of the triune God's goodness, the triune God's goodness and love. So, you know, it's that extension. It kind of, he wanted to share it with us. Not that there was anything missing in, the, in, in that, but he wanted to share it. He wanted to give it to us too. So God did, not, um, God, God did not create to get cosmic, infinite joy of mutual love and glorification, but to share it. The love of the inner life of the Trinity is written all the way through creation. Uh, Christian, this is such a wonderful thought. Uh, God created you because he wants you to have joy. Um, and unless we centre ourselves on him, we, we, we miss out. And of course, that ties us neatly into that chief end of man, that chief end of humanity, that chief end of man and woman, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So just to finish and kind of circle right back to the beginning and our eternal nature, the book of Genesis actually gives us our purpose uh, you were created deliberately, on purpose, with a purpose, to enjoy God. So this week, no creating silos, no creating joyless, God-free compartments in our lives. Let's live our best temporary lives on this, on this planet, uh, aware that the race we're running towards that new creation, um, to live our purpose eternally. Dear Lord God and loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your unchanging word, for your unchanging love, and uh, thank you that you didn't want heaven without us. Father, I pray that this week you will um, yeah, rid us of uh, joyless compartments in our life, Lord, and uh, yeah, you'll give us great joy as we go out onto our front lines. For your glory. Amen.